Blog Talk Radio. Do you believe that death is the end? Or is it just a new beginning? Does our soul continue to evolve? Or is it buried six feet under? Spiritual encounters and unexplained phenomena have intrigued people for centuries. But what if you could find the answer? Right here, right here, right now. Right now. Welcome to Heavenly Encounters. Heavenly Encounters. Where we will talk with everyday people who have had extraordinary experiences and gifted souls that see beyond the veil. Beyond the veil. Together, we'll diminish our fear of death, explore our soul's evolution, and soften the crippling grief that accompanies loss. Heavenly Encounters. You, our listeners, will discover a new world. A new world. A fresh reality. A fresh reality. Just a whisper away. Heavenly Encounters. So take a deep breath and join us on this fascinating adventure. This is Heavenly Encounters. Heavenly Encounters. A journey to the other side. Heavenly Welcome to Heavenly Encounters, our journey to the other side. I am your host, Mary Elizabeth, broadcasting from Chicago, Illinois. And this is your co-host, Janice, broadcasting live from St. Louis, Missouri. Well, after being hit and dragged by a car on her bike, our guest had both an out-of-body and a near-death experience that changed her atheist beliefs and her attitude toward life. We will discuss her amazing experience with the divine, what happens when we die, and how we can bring a little bit of heaven to our lives on earth. But first, don't forget, check out my latest blog, Butterflies and Bombshells, as well as access all of our past shows at heavenlyencountersradio.com. Now, Janice, you know, so many people are coming forward with their near-death experiences, yet there are so many other people that just don't believe them. Why do you think that is? Well, you know, we're kind of in a time of quickening. So Mm -hmm. as our vibrations rise and our frequency rise and we become more open, more and more people are starting to experience it. But at the same time, that also, you know, people that don't want to believe it, they're kind of... It's stuck in fear, it was just a good way. Right. It's kind of almost where one path is spirituality and the other one is religion. And people, you know, it's freedom of thought. You have to open your mind and open your heart to have these experiences and bring them in and to know and understand them. And some people are just so incredibly in fear that they want to stay within that little box. They just are comfortable and they're scared to get outside of that box. Well, you know what, to me what is actually more fearful is the fact that if you just died and that was it, you turned to ash and everything was over. But to me it seems like, gosh, you have this near-death experience, you actually get to witness a part of heaven, and it means that life goes on, we're still immortal. That, to me, would take away the fear, but I guess it doesn't with everyone. No, and you know what it, it, what it takes is, is, is your fear is if you really believe there's nothing left, and then you find out that you're wrong, that it goes on for infinity. Mm-hmm. I mean, that you know, just imagine that shifts somebody's paradigm so much that it probably goes to their basic core, and they start to realize that everything that they've believed in is actually wrong. And wrong. That's, oh, that's, absolutely. You know, that's, 
that's really scary, and it's a hard place to come out of. Absolutely. Well, our guest today is Nancy Rines, a former scientist turned painter and now author of Awakenings from the Light. Nancy, welcome to the show. Welcome, Hi. Nancy. Thanks for having me. You're very oh, welcome. Well, pleasure. let's start at the beginning. Take us back to that day in Colorado in January of 2014 when you decided to go for a bike ride, something you did all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I did all the time. Actually, the weather here in, in Colorado in the wintertime is actually really gorgeous down in, in the Denver area. We usually have quite a mm-hmm. bit of warm weather in the winter. So that's why that one day I decided to go out for a bike ride. And, and I'd been an avid bicyclist, so I just decided to go and do some errands around town on my bike. And uh, I had a little bit of a premonition before I left that I really should choose another route. But I, you know, at that point in my life was atheist and just ignored that intuition and just kept mm-hmm. pedaling the, the way that I was going. And uh, about a half a mile from where I lived, there's a, there was a new roundabout, one of those traffic circles. And oh, yeah. I went into that in the bike lane and a woman was coming in from another direction who apparently was texting while she was trying to navigate the traffic circle. And oh, wow. didn't, she just didn't stop. She was supposed oh. to stop because she was yielding to traffic, but she didn't even slow down um, and came into the circle. And I, I, at the last minute, realized she wasn't going to stop, and I couldn't avoid her because there was a car behind me as well. So um, anyway, she hit me on my right side, and I ended up on, on top of her SUV looking in at her texting while she was driving. <laughs> <laughs> and she still kept on driving. That's crazy. She did. Oh. Yeah, she didn't She didn't see me. She was too busy with her phone. Wow. And uh, she just kept driving, and I couldn't hang on. This was a really big SUV. It was one of those big mm-hmm. suburban-type SUVs. And I couldn't hang on to anything. And, and long story short, I ended up being thrown down in front of her car, uh, in front of the SUV as she was driving, and hit the pavement with my shoulder and my head, cracked my helmet. And um, something took over. There was just that, I guess, animal instinct to survive. And as she was driving over the top of me, I was in between her wheels. I wasn't being run over, but I was in the middle of her car. Um, I reached up and grabbed her axle. And hung on for dear life because I figured if I let go, I was going to get run over by her rear wheels the way she was turning. And it was at that moment that I actually hit the pavement that I had that out-of-body experience. And it kind of freaked me out at the time <laughs> because, I, I, you know, here I am trying to deal with being hit. And then all of a sudden, a part of my consciousness is actually out in front of the whole Thing happening. It was completely wow. removed from the accident, um, watching everything happen from out in front. And the thing that really freaked me out was that part of me that was out in front was supremely calm about all of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And was thinking, you know, this is kind of sad, but it's happening for a reason and everything will be okay. Right. And I'm, you know, the part of me that was under the car was like, it's not okay. <laughs> you know, <this> is, <laughs> Because she's still driving. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that, oh my gosh. I call that my, my dual consciousness. It wasn't fully out of body because I was actually experiencing both 
out of right, body and in time. body at the same time. Yeah, so that lasted for a few minutes until the paramedics arrived. Someone actually finally did stop her um, before she drove out of the fully out of the traffic circle. Uh, but it was a few minutes before the paramedics arrived, and during that time is when I had that sense of being in two places at once. And I, I think it was at that moment that I realized my entire world had changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You can laugh about it now, but you had, but you had. I mean, your oh my gosh! I think what you had seven broken ribs. Your your spine was shattered, and I don't know how many places. I mean, you were in pretty bad shape. I was in pretty bad shape. I had, um, um, I think it was five broken ribs on my left side, my left collarbone, Mm -hmm. my pelvis was cracked, my sternum was cracked, and then I had at least nine vertebrae that were broken in multiple places. And then that one uh, lower, the, my L1 vertebrae, which is my lump, the first lumbar vertebrae in my lower back, was completely shattered. I mean, there was oh. almost nothing left of it. And um, I couldn't, I wasn't, you know, I didn't know that at the time. I knew I was in pain, but I didn't know that. And I tried to get up, you know, after after the um, woman stopped driving. And, and someone says it's my guardian angel. Someone says it's was just a person I don't know but she was certainly an angel but anyway someone came up and prevented me from standing up and her name was Ann and Ann if you're listening mm-hmm. thank you very much um <laughs> she kept me she kept me calm she st- stayed with me and and you know had me focus on her because I was starting right. to go into shock at that point and well, she um, also kept you from being paralyzed right if I would have stood up my actually probably would have broken my both my neck and my severed my lower spine. Wow! Uh, because my my neck was actually in really bad shape too. Um, if I would have moved my neck, it probably would have snapped um, the the, the uh, spinal cord up at my neck. Right. So she Holy cow. she really she saved my life definitely, and, and and at the very least saved my ability to move around and walk. Absolutely. So she was, Definitely an angel, no matter what you what you believe. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So obviously after all of this, you needed surgery. They wanted, I guess, put titanium rods in you. Right. So what happened then once they actually put you under? Well, that was the, that was the crazy thing. They put me, and I had this anesthesia before. They were very careful mm-hmm. because I, I'm sort of sensitive to anesthesia. I tend to, my blood pressure tends to drop to almost zero. And um, so they were very careful to use an anesthesia that I had, I had used before. And when when they gave me this anesthesia, I was gone, and I wasn't gone into blackness, you know, like a typical surgery. Usually you just float off into gray, and then you wake up, and everything's fine in, in the recovery room. But this time I woke up, and I was on a hilltop kind of in a meadow surrounded by beautiful rolling hills and clouds and this amazing, absolutely amazing feeling of love and support and a welcoming back home. And every time I talk about this, I start crying because it's so beautiful. Um, but it was, it was absolutely like, like a huge, huge welcoming, a big welcoming hug back home. And that's what it felt like to me. It was 
it was love on a grand scale that you can't even imagine here on earth. Um, it permeated me. It was a an energy of peace and love that is indescribable. Right. And I didn't feel like wow. I deserved it. You know, that was my first thought was, how come I'm here? I don't believe in this. I should be the in the other direction. For, you know, I was raised Catholic, so burning in hell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I was It does atheist. leave its mark, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, why am oh, I here? God. And the answer back was, you're home. You're home. And, um, well, you said that it actually made you feel like you were actually more at home than you were at, you know, on Earth, which I think yeah, is amazing. Yeah, yeah, that that it, I knew from the or the the immediate moment that I was there that that was my my true home, and that was our true home, not just mine, but everybody's true right. home. Right. And and this was whatever a place that we come to learn, or what you know, whatever your beliefs are, but this is a temporary place that we reside. And that's our that state of being. Um, I call it heaven in the book, just for clarity's sake. But that state of being in mm-hmm. in that divine realm is really our home. And that was it was an instant conversion for me. <laughs> <laughs> there was no so how, there was no going back to atheism after that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So how would you describe the beauty that you saw there? That's what to me is that really touched me almost the most. Well, it was amazing. It was well there you know, what I saw on on just a visual level was you know, beautiful mountains with mists and and tr- you know, beautiful impossibly tall trees, um deciduous trees mostly, or at least they looked deciduous to me, but impossibly tall and you know, mist rolling through everything. There was a beautiful warm bright light that permeated everything that really there wasn't really a direction like you would have a sun it was the whole sky was just lit up with this beautiful light and the sky also had this pearlescent silvery tinge it's hard to describe because it was there are several layers of visuals that I could see so you know there's the surface visual but then there were many energy levels below it the surface of it that I saw and each one of those energy levels had different colors and different patterns associated with it and so there was a silver intense silver glow everything vibrated with some type of energy whether it be the flowers or the trees um, and the, and it was just suffused with this love um, and and I can't even, you know, people have asked me to try to paint it, and I can't. It would take somebody like, you know, um, Disney Studios, I think, to be able to do it justice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, something in Alice, if you can think of the movie Alice in Wonderland and all the, the crazy right. things that happen in there, that's what, kind of what it felt like. Um, and and it, the, the appearance of it, though, was there was the surface flower, let's say, and below that were many different colors of vibrating energy that would kind of change in response to my own emotion. So they were reactive, reacting back and forth with me. There was definitely a, a connection between me and the landscape oh, all around oh, me. Wow. Yeah, it was so really, where were really you? great. Were you, in, you, were, you said you were like in kind of in like heaven's green room. So were you actually in heaven or kind of just kind of like behind the doors? They're waiting to go I, in. 
Yeah, the way that that I learned um, later that it was kind of a precursor. So it was like stage one. (laughs) And it was a big stage one. It was a very large stage. But there was a boundary beyond which I was not allowed to go. And Mm -hmm. that I really wanted to go there. (laughs) Because that was... That was, you know, the kind of the final um, crossing, if you will. That right. was the final way that I could get into the real heaven or, the, you know, the, the beginnings of the real heaven. There are many levels that you have to go through mm-hmm. when, when you pass over. And this was the first one. This was one where you kind of shed your, you know, your mortal body. Right. And then once, you, once you're allowed to do that, then you move on into the you know, more, you could think of it as higher vibrational states in heaven. Um, but but I knew that I really wanted to go beyond because um, I knew that if it was this beautiful here, beyond that final veil must be incredible. <laughs> and oh, I, absolutely. I wanted to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell us about the guide that met you there. So she came in fairly early, and and she appeared to me as a she. I, I don't. I, I I'm really kind of cautious about assigning a gender to her because her. I, I understood immediately, and she told me immediately that her true nature wasn't human. It wasn't male or female. It, she was an energy body, uh, an energy body of spirit, and she was taking this form of a human female to make it easier for me to relate to her. Um, Because I think, you know, whatever realm I was in, the beings that were there realized I was already kind of freaking out anyway. And (laughs) if I were confronted with this, you know, giant ball of pure energy to communicate with, it might be a little bit much. (laughs) So she came to me and she looked... um, she embraced me with this beautiful, beautiful energy embrace of just pure love, another welcoming back home. And I had the impression that I had known her from a long time before, like mm-hmm. we had known each other before, well, before my life. But I never really found out exactly what the details of that was while I was there. Um, but she was, you know, she looked kind of ordinary, quite frankly. She, you know, appeared to be five, 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 six, um, beautiful long brown hair, and she wore um, this loose, diaphanous, uh, it's hard to describe. If it, I couldn't really tell if it was a full robe or if it was a loose tunic with loose drapey pants. But uh, anyway, it was kind of a gray, pearly gray color that also had this iridescent shimmer to it. Mm-hmm. Um and but I never I kept looking at her face and I was never allowed to see her face. I could see yeah. where it should be, but it was very fuzzy. Hmm. You know, I couldn't really get it. I really right. wanted to see what she looked like, but I wasn't allowed to see that. Hmm. But she was. Now, Janice, uh, I, I, I was gonna say, go Janice, ahead. I know you've got a question. <laughs> I can just feel it. Not to put you on the spot or anything. No, well, I, I mean, I think it's, it's, it, 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 I think it's wonderful, because you know, the, the flip side is when you, when you're in that place, that beautiful place, they don't want to scare you, you know. Right. 
And yep. so that's the that that's the whole idea. But I've had many experiences where I'm talking to somebody and and you get the general impression of a face, but you're Correct. not allowed to see it. Yes. Correct. You got it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's it. Well, you know, Nancy, you said that your guide said that you had chosen this experience, that you were supposed to be a messenger. Do you remember that, or is that something that kind of surprised you? At you chose to be run over by me. a car. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what, I've, what I learned later, and I, I've been communicating with her and another guide, you know, since, since this time, basically at, 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 while I was in that near-death state, it was a surprise to me at first, and then she showed me, kind of like on a big movie screen, you know, mm-hmm. in the sky type of thing, that I had been in this big hall of, I, I don't, it just looked to me like, I had the impression of big columns and, and a soaring ceiling, but I was agreeing to be a messenger. Now, the the kicker on this is that she told me, later that I had had opportunities before this in my life where I could have chosen the path of being a messenger without having to go through the NDE. And I turned away from those at that point. Each one <laughs> like, of those points thinking? in my life. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and this well, was they like always, the last opportunity. And it always comes around lots of people. It's got to be hit by a two by four. <laughs> Right. Well, yeah, right, mine's exactly. a little bit bigger than that, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that was kind of the agreement they had laid out that if you know I had laid out that if I didn't choose it at point A, B, or C, then at right. point D, I was going to get you know the the big guns pointed yeah. at me, and that's right. what happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So why did they say they wanted you to take this back and write about it? Well, they wanted, first of all, they wanted me to learn how to bring heaven, a little bit of, they call, the way they put it is they wanted me to be able to bring a little bit of heaven into my life on earth so that I could live a more joyous, harmonious, happy life. Mm-hmm. And then and then she said, her name, by the way, is Mary, I've learned. This is, she said, you can call me Mary, it's just as good a name as other names. But <laughs> So anyway, I call her Mary. And But Mary said that um, other people might be interested to learn this information as well. And the, the thing I've learned since is that when you meet spiritual beings like that, they never really tell you what to do, at least the ones that have your best interests at heart. Right. The good right. ones, right? And they always just suggest stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that was her suggestion. She said, well, you might want to think about sharing it with other people in the form of a book or what have you. But she she thought right. that the form of a book would fit me because I had been doing writing for most of my life in a kind of more of a scientific and technical perspective. But I was at least familiar with that form of communication. And that was right. her suggestion. Um, so that's, she, they really want they, meaning the whole group of beings that were there, plus Mary, you know, wanted this to be, te- you know, basic teachings to help us remember what it, what we were coming here for, which was to learn how to right. live in heaven on earth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we can, wow. we can totally do that. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, I can't imagine. Here you are in this just amazing place. Love is permeating through absolutely every single atom of your body. Then all of a sudden they say, you know what, you got to go back to your broken body. <laughs> so how did it feel when you kind of woke up after surgery, after kind of experiencing this slice of heaven? I can't imagine. I yeah, I woke up in the in the recovery room bawling, absolutely bawling yes. and screaming. <laughs> did you want to come back? I did not want to come back. I was like yeah. throwing a temper tantrum like a two year old. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> and and because it was that sense of loss, I felt a huge sense right. of loss as soon as I woke up and I felt like the wall had closed between me and that realm. It actually hadn't. I've gotten back and I've reconnected with it. But at that time, it felt like the wall had shut down and I was screaming, asking for my friend. And the the, uh, anesthesiologist was not really understanding what I was talking about. And he was looking a little bit terrified as to what was going on. (laughs) (laughs) And they thought that, that I meant the friend who brought me, you know, who accompanied me to the operating room from you know my hospital room and her name happened to be Angela they so they thought that I meant her so they went out and got her (laughs) yeah that was not the person (laughs) I was talking about (laughs) (laughs) but the sense of loss right away was it was a huge sense of grief and I sort of felt abandoned quite frankly yeah and I was angry that I had been kicked back into my body and I didn't want to be there Right. And then um, that really settled down over the, the course of the next couple of days, and I went into the post-NDE bliss, I call it, <laughs> 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 where I just realized that love was here, too. And I just, I mean, I didn't have any choice. I was laying on my back in the hospital bed, so I just reveled right. in that sense of love. And I right. think that's how I healed so quickly. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So what began to change in your life as a result of, of that? Wow. So, you know, I couldn't be an atheist anymore. That was a question. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was the first thing. Uh, it, it, it really changed the way that I interacted with people. I, I've become much more, even right away, I mean, within days, became much more outgoing, much more compassionate, much more grateful about everyone and everything around me. I was in this, like, state of gratitude bliss for weeks and weeks and weeks afterward it was everything was like cool and fun and great even though I wasn't on any pain meds at all um (laughs) I was I actually couldn't tolerate the pain meds after the surgery so I went off them voluntarily after two days so it wasn't opiates or anything that I was on I wasn't on anything and I was in this total state of bliss but it was really for me more of a, a learning how to reconnect with not only people, but the world around me. And I felt a huge appreciation for everything that I had in my life, everyone and everything. Um, I'm much more outgoing now, much more outgoing. Mm-hmm. I, I was I was really severely introverted before and, and quite, um, well, I removed myself from a lot of my friends and from a lot of events in the, in the, in my community. And, and that's all different now. I'm I, I really love you know, being out with people and and speaking in front of groups, speaking with groups, speak just having fun and um 
And so that's changed a lot. I have a huge appreciation now for the presence of the spirit world here because there is no separation. Mm-hmm. It's all here too. Exactly. And yeah, it's it is here and I see it all the time. I can I can see the energy now. And so that's changed me. I've become much more compassionate, much more easygoing, um, much more accepting of people, of whatever beliefs, very laid back. Like, yeah, whatever you want to believe is fine. That's cool. Just as long as you are nice about it and let everybody oh, else do their thing. So well, you also, you know, quit your job, too. You started, you know, you I started did. living your passion. <laughs> I did. Well, I, you know, when I, I started to go back to work and I realized a couple of things, first of all, that the, um, I did have some brain trauma, which it didn't really affect anything. It affected my ability to speak. I had a lot of trouble with that mm-hmm. at first, but it also affected my memory and not most of my memory, but just certain aspects of my memory and parts of the memory that I used at my job, which was analytical processing types of things. And that was that was difficult to admit that. But then when I went back, I realized, you know, I'm in an, I'm in the defense industry, and this really doesn't feel good anymore. Yeah, I, I right. don't want to have anything to do with this kind of energy anymore. So I uh, it's a bullet, so to speak, and and just quit. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I've been on you know on my own ever since. It's been a couple years now since I left that job and. Things have been fine. Everything's awesome. been so fine. So when did you, you know, start to write? Mm-hmm. When did you start to write? I started, I, you know, I started to write the story, everything that happened very quickly, as soon as I could hold a pen and start scribbling notes down in the hospital. And so I did that for a while. I wrote, 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 you know, in notebooks. I have a couple of notebooks filled with, you know, the raw material. And then I, I thought, well, this is great, but... Um, some of my friends wanted to learn about it, so I started writing a blog, and the blog was really just a, a synthesis of what I had written down in my notes. It was kind of high level. It, I didn't go into a lot of detail, but it was it was enough of of mm-hmm. what I told you. And um, and then and then a friend of mine on Facebook put me in touch with a, another author, Ken Elliott, who suggested, well, you know, I think you really should write this in a real book, like to publish, and I just flipped. I didn't want to do that because I didn't I didn't want it to go public like that. I was still sort of scared about having mm-hmm. my name associated with this type of thing. Uh, I was still letting go of the scientist for me. Yeah, right. And um, it took me a good six months past that to – to really say, okay, I'll, I'll write a book. Cause it just kept coming back. I just kept feeling like I needed to do it and I couldn't right. put it, I just couldn't put it out of my mind. And so I finally just said, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. And then I awesome. did it. And um, yeah. And six months after that, it came out. So it was good. That is incredible. Well, you know, it's an absolutely fabulous, fabulous book. I mean, your story is incredible, but you know, what's really also powerful, and we're not going to have a chance to get to all of them, but you did have 12 messages you know, that you really learned from heaven. So let's maybe try to go through a couple of them and just tell okay. us what you think. So the first one you have right. is, we are not only on earth to learn, but we are here to love. Correct. Yeah, that was my big one. Now, you know, each person would have a different 
big mm-hmm. message that they might learn during an NDE, but that was my first one. And and my guide said, Mary said that if you don't learn anything else from this, this is what I want mm-hmm. you to learn, the importance yeah. of love. And right. And she said, you know, one of the most profound things that sticks with me every day is she said love, you can see in front of you that love forms the structure of heaven. It forms the the scaffolding upon which all else is built here. And then she turned to me and she said, love is also at the core of your world too. There is no difference. And that was a big revelation to me because I didn't realize Mm -hmm. the depth of divine love that was here for us as well. We're, We're surrounded by it all the time. It's, harder for us to feel it for most of us it's harder for us to sense it because we're you know in the physical uh, but it's here and in those quiet moments we can really access it while we're here Uh, whether that's through prayer or you know contemplative prayer or meditation or um, journeying out of body whatever it is each person will have a different way of accessing that right but but she really stressed to you know for me to keep accessing that and you know even part of doing things like these interviews for me just puts me right back into that energy right. of love here so that's why I like talking about it <laughs> well I know yeah Janice I know you're so sensitive to energy I mean I am too not to your point but I can just from you Nancy I just feel the love just coming you yeah. know just radiating from you and I'm sure everyone that's yeah. listening can also feel that too. I mean, it's it's almost our way of getting able to feel a little bit of heaven through you, which yeah. is amazing. I hope so. I mean, yeah, that's my intention. I I really try to show people what it can be like and what it's like, and that God loves everybody. You know, the divine presence loves everyone. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my meditations almost every day is to just sit in quiet and send love away. I just send waves of love out to the world as far as it will go. Yes. And that's what I do. And wow, I try to amazing. do that when I'm talking to people or when I'm, it's not even, I don't even mentally try to do it. I just do it from my heart. That's just how right. I am now. Right. So. And people don't realize a lot of times is that love is it, that experience that you have. It feeds your soul and we need to feed oh, yeah. our soul even more so than we feed our body. Right. You're totally right about that. Yeah, every, you know, every time I, even if I just talk about this stuff with a friend, you know, one-on-one, I'm my soul is uplifted. I yes. just feel buoyant all right. over again. And like I'm channeling that love, you know, through me to whoever I'm with or whoever I'm speaking with. And Absolutely. so, yeah, right now I'm sending love out across the airwaves <laughs> yeah. on the Internet to whoever wants and, to listen. And we can feel it. Hopefully oh, everybody can feel it. Yes. Absolutely. Well, the second one is you are a miracle. Treat yourself as one. I love that one. Yeah. That was, that was my second biggest one. And, you know, a lot of these are interrelated because love is at the core of each one of these messages. But for me, I had come from a a place in my life where I really didn't like myself very much. And, in fact, I would say I hated myself. And my guide, Mary, wanted me to learn how to appreciate who I was because I was a divine spark. I was a, I was a part of the divine. I was a divine creation. Mm-hmm. 
um, just as worthy of love as anybody else. And she made a comment that sounded kind of flippant and funny, but at the same time had a tinge of sadness to it for me. She said, we up here see that you treat your pets better than you treat yourselves. And that was really a sad thing for her. Yeah. Um, I mean, we do, yeah, pets deserve our love, definitely. But we also each individually deserve our own kindness and compassion as well. Right. And and that was tough for me to hear (laughs) because I knew she was right. (laughs) Right. Well, it's not just about loving other people. It's about loving yourself so you have something even to give to others. Right. Right. And it's being kind with your own shortcomings and your own darkness. You know, everybody everybody here is flawed in some way. At least our human selves have issues and, you know, foibles and flaws and warts and whatever. And the, the point is right. to be kind and compassionate to ourselves about that because it's just part of being human. And, and learn, you know, learn from your mistakes for sure. Um, but be kind about it. You know, you don't have to beat yourself up if you screwed up that day. It's okay. Right. right. Just try again. That's right. Okay, yep. number yep. three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number three, this earth and the universe are also miracles. Right. I like this one, too. Yeah. Yeah, so she explained to me, and, and this wasn't really a huge surprise to me, but she explained that, you know, the earth and, you know, this entire natural world, including the universe, is a, is a divine creation as well. And mm-hmm. it's in some ways independent of us. You know, it was here long before we were. Right. And, right. you know, we're sort of like passengers on the ship. We come and go, but the ship stays around for a long, long time. And yes. they... They wanted us to understand how much they love their world, mm-hmm. the, the spiritual realm, and they wanted us to learn to love our own earth realm that way as long as we were here on it. You know, to treat right. the earth well as, as best as we can, um, and the animals as well, not just the planet as far as, you know, the soil and the water, but the animals as well because they have a right to be here and exist and oh absolutely do their thing and live a life just as much as we do right and, right and it's just extending that love to the to the planet because it supports us we can't be here right. without it right the planet you know, will be life, here we will be gone <laughs> yeah exactly you know our our so lives did you, depend on clean water and good food so yep, where does that come from yeah. Right. Mother Earth. So did you right. also see how everything was connected, like the Earth, the stars, the universe? Everything is just this huge, yeah, there, I, was, I, I was gifted with that ability to see the web of connections. Uh, it's like a kind of, to me, the way I see it is a, a big, huge, multidimensional spider web of, of mm-hmm. pearlescent energy. Yes. And that's how I saw it. Everything is just wow, connected um, at, at every level. There is no real true separation at, at the spiritual level. It's all, right. all interconnected. We're all connected together. So when I, you know, for me, when I 
learn to love myself and others better, that means I'm also uplifting the people around me because of those connections. And so if you touch one part of that connection, you touch many. Right. Right. You, Absolutely. you can't pluck one part of the web without affecting other parts. Right. Well, we have time for one more, and I'm going to pick my favorite because this is the one that I'm so guilty of. <laughs> so it's, I'm jumping to number six. It's allow, let go, and let spirit work in your life. I mean, it's yeah. like, God, you can't control everything. Let it go and get some help. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, the, what, what uh, Mary wanted me to understand is that she and, and the other beings there were always there for us. Not not just while I was in in heaven or that precursor to heaven, but here too. Right. And God or the divine or our guides or whoever, they're there with us all the time and they love it when we ask for help or when we ask for guidance for ourselves or for someone else. Yeah. They love right. the communication. And it helps us to kind of let go of some of that. We don't have to do everything. Everything right. doesn't have to be perfect. No. And if you hang on to stuff so tightly, meaning you're so controlling, just picture, um, I have people do this. I actually take people to a sink and run some water, have them cup their hands under the water faucet and gather water in their hands. And, you know, how do you gather water in your hands? Well, your hands are kind of open. And then I say, well, what happens when you try to grab that water as tight as you can? It squirts out all over the place. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And you lose it. <laughs> and and if we allow a little bit of room for spirit to work or angels or guides or whatever we want to, whoever we want to call on, if we if we hold our desires lightly, then that spiritual realm can work in our lives and help us achieve what we want to achieve. Yes, absolutely. And that is a beautiful place to stop. One more thing. Where can our listeners find your book and your website? My book is available on Amazon.com and Barnes & Noble and at some local bookstores. It's called Awakenings from the Light. And you can reach me and get more information on the book at my website, and that is NancyRyans.com. And I'll spell that for you. Nancy, N-A-N-C-Y, Ryans, R-Y-N-E-S.com, all together. Wonderful. Well, this has been absolutely fascinating. i, I got to tell you, near-death experiences are my favorite thing to talk about, so thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate oh, it. Thank you for sharing. Blessings to both of you. You too, sweet angel. Thank you. So, Janice, we just have a couple minutes. What What do you think? Oh, my God. I just... Because there's so much that resonates with me, you know what I mean? Absolutely. But it's that, oh, absolutely. It's that I know it, it. But when she talked about that web, I had that experience mm-hmm. too. And when you're mm-hmm. connected like that, you know, it's like we talk about intuition or premonitions, you know. But that's what's right. happening. Somebody's, somebody's that that golden cord. Somebody's, you know, getting our attention. And it's it's just it's really beautiful and amazing, and that's part of the ascension process too. Is the more we individually raise ourselves up, the more everybody as whole is raised up. Absolutely. And with that, it is time for illumination. It's time for illumination. Food for your mind. 
Okay, Janice, what do you have for us? Well, this is from Henry Woodsworth Longfellow, and I thought this was so good knowing how, you know, how beautiful Nancy's book was. Right, right. Make it quick. (laughs) Okay, God sent singers upon earth with songs of sadness and mirth that they might touch the hearts of men and bring them back to heaven again. Ooh, that's beautiful. Mine is from Chief Seattle. Humankind is not woven the web of life. We are but one thread within it. Whatever we do to the web, we do to ourselves. All things are bound together. All things connect. So thank you, Janice, for another fascinating show, and thank you to our wonderful listeners for joining us once again. Until next time, be empowered, be inspired, and be well. You've been listening to Heavenly Encounters, A Journey to the Other Side. Good night. 